you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. tonight to have Bishop Rick Gonzalez in this house with us. It is a distinct privilege of mine to bring him to this pulpit again. He needs no introduction after the move of God we sensed and felt in this house last night and the word that he spoke over this congregation. One more time, would you make him welcome as Brother Rick Gonzalez comes to bring the word of God. We love you, sir. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you in this house. Lamb of God, Lamb of God. What an amazing presence. The Lord is in this place. powerful release of healing virtue is flowing here. Every meeting, every time we gather, moments like these, there is a vein in the spirit, there is an artery, if you please, that flows from the throne room a will of God released into the atmosphere. We do well to understand that in this moment we must connect to that vein, that artery in the spirit because it will not repeat itself again. There is continuous movement, forward movement and progression in the spirit are you listening and for that reason we must flow with that movement and to remind us again of some of the words we shared last night we must track his movement we must understand the movement of the spirit and flow with it We don't have to understand everything that he is doing. He doesn't owe us an explanation for everything. But we certainly are called to be obedient. And that is the end game, obedience. And it will usher us into a place of further revelation. It will take us where we have 
never been. Be seated for a moment, please. I do want to honor your bishop once again and your first lady and all of the fine, fine leadership of this church. You have treated me so, so well in just the last 24 hours or so that I've been hanging out here. In Chicago, I would say, you've made me feel like a couple. Yeah, some of y'all don't understand that term. Like a godfather. You've been so kind. So I thank you for that. Evidently, some angelic being filled my car up with gas. Just kidding, brother. Don't let it go to your head. <laughs> but uh, definitely, I, uh, what can I say? Working on the box that you put in my room. Drank most of the water. Thank you. I'm supposed to tell folks that. That's what my wife tells me. I appreciate all that stuff. I have such bad manners. Pray for me that I won't say any bad words tonight. I didn't say any last night, did I? Okay, praise God. Praise God. Amen. And to our missionaries to Israel, I honor you. Thank you for heeding a call to such an important place. Amen. We must pray for Israel. We must pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We must be faithful to that call. Amen. Amen. As I spoke yesterday, and just by way of a reminder, this will be part two of the visitation of God. I uh, would remind you that visitation has a place. It has a timing. We've understood that and we have determined this to be the place and this to be the timing. And throughout this weekend, the Lord will continue to disseminate revelation, understanding. We had quite a time in the Holy Ghost this afternoon as we broke bread together. The Lord confirmed some wonderful things to the man of God, to the angel of this church, your bishop, and to the congregation by virtue of what the Lord is showing this man and I am excited for the things that belong to your destiny there is destiny in this place there is a prophetic prophetic word that is being fulfilled moment by moment I am grateful for the honor to stand here be a small part of what God is doing in this great church in the regional jurisdiction and apostleship that God has given your pastor a revival is imminent I stand here and I still feel the ground shaking as seed is beginning to germinate <laughs> lift your hands right now the seed is germinating.
as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God and the word was made flesh are you listening? I'm just connecting you from last night to tonight. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, the revelation, the application. The word of the Lord is trying to help us understand that that word that was made flesh is trying to manifest in us. It is imperative and it is an integral part of visitation. We live with defining moments in our memories and we certainly should make them landmarks of things, testimonies that God has given us for certain moments and seasons of our lives. But we also have to move forward in this enterprise called the kingdom of God. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, Romans 8, that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs, with Christ, he is sharing his stuff with us. Are you listening? But we cannot fall in love with his stuff. We must have intimacy with him so the stuff can function properly. So the anointing can flow as it should. So that power and authority can find their rightful place within the framework of each individual call that is present in this house tonight. Are you listening? And so we're joint heirs with Christ. But here it is again. If so be that we suffer with him. We don't like that word. That we may also or be also glorified together for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us but somehow God is trying to help us to empathize with a hurting world 
And there is a process by which he takes us. For some of us who with time and through our tenure in the kingdom might possibly have forgotten the plight of this world that we live in and the dynamics that affect individuals and the pain and the darkness that surrounds them. God sometimes has to remind us that to know him is not just resurrection power. It is also in the fellowship of his sufferings. I know only a few of you understand or agree or want it. For I reckon, he said it, they're not worthy to be compared. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. And for a moment I alluded last night to the fact that too many of us are prisoners. We are held captives to a revelation. We are hostages to a revelation. But to know so much and to not allow it to manifest, it is obvious that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Why? Because they're waiting for the manifestation of the sons, the daughters of God. Are you manifesting? Because the revival that God has prophesied demands... It does not suggest, it demands a manifestation of true apostolic authority. See, talk is cheap. I hear people talk about apostolic identity but no manifestation I watch as they affirm one another in the truths that they hold onto and the revelations that are so much a part of who we are but no manifestation to say you're apostolic and to be afforded the luxury, the privilege, the honor of a presence such as is in this house and absorb it and keep it all to yourself and not take it out of this building and walk it into the streets and into your job and into the marketplace and to the gas station. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Visitation demands manifestation. It demands manifestation. <laughs> At times, and at different moments, we look through a glass darkly. We are not altogether sure of what he is doing. We certainly 
don't know always what to do. But in this hour, the Spirit bids the church to grow to a level of sensitivity where you no longer just walk in the mundaneness of your everyday lives. Listen now. In my circles, we call it threat assessment levels. The average civilian lives in a state of awareness that we call condition white or condition yellow. It is the everyday activity of life. Condition white is probably the most dormant of all conditions. You sleep, you nap, you daydream. That's when you are the most vulnerable. Condition yellow is you're awake, you brush your teeth, you go through the motions of your day. Sometimes you can't even remember how it is that you got to work. But habit has taught you that you know where to go. And before you know it, you're there. You go to the same place for your coffee. You do the same things over and over again until life becomes a routine. But that cannot be in the church. That cannot be when we're talking about the subject of visitation and manifestation. You see, there's another level yet, several as a matter of fact. You see, I was taught that I cannot be or live or think or operate on the level of the average civilian. Take insult to what I'm saying. I refuse to be an average civilian. I refuse to be an average Pentecostal. I refuse to be an average apostolic. I refuse to simply go from day to day doing what I'm supposed to do just getting by with the basics, just getting by with the minimum. God is calling the church by visitation to another level. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you some of your bad habits. It's going to cost you a shift in how you think. It's going to make you lose your mind so you can get the mind of Christ. You see, we have to have a change of mind because we're facing an enemy that operates on a level that if we are not sensitized to that threat level, we will never conquer. We will never have the revival that God has called us to have. As a soldier, as a law enforcement entity, we are taught that we must always, every waking moment, live in condition orange. Condition orange means that whether I am in a car, a patrol car, or I am working any kind of covert operation, my senses are keen. 
my ears are listening to what the average uh, civilian would not be listening to. I've been trained that certain sounds uh, mean different things uh, than the average civilian can interpret. Are you listening to what the Lord is trying to say about our spiritual life? I am trained to understand that 75 to 80% of the social meaning of anything that is communicated is nonverbal. It's body language. So when I look at you, I'm watching your eyes. I'm watching your hands. I'm watching your waistline. I'm watching your movement. I'm watching your posture. I'm watching how you stand. I am watching everything about you. I am reading you. And in the spirit, are you listening? We have to walk in condition orange because there's a cry of distress that only a spiritually trained ear can hear. There is a groaning that comes from creation that cannot be heard by the average civilian or Pentecostal or apostolic. There is a cry, a travail that produces a certain sound and cadence in the spirit that alerts me to turn in that direction and move on from condition orange to condition red. The cry alerts me because I'm in condition orange, but then I move into condition red. I assess the target. I assess the source. And because I've been on my knees and because I've been fasting, my spiritual senses are constantly being exercised. So the cry brings me to the focus of condition red where now I can assess the threat, identify it, and then know what level of force I need to use to move into condition black, and that is threat neutralized. You see, that's spiritual warfare. That's spiritual warfare. We walk every day so busy in condition yellow that we don't hear what condition orange would give us, much less condition red. And we pass by those targets, those objectives. And God is saying, will somebody move into that place? Will somebody walk in that dimension so that I can use them to assess, to identify, and to neutralize the work of the enemy in somebody's life? Lift your hands right now. God's about to thrust some of you, take you through a threshold uh, into a new threat assessment level. Come on, lift your hands right now. 
Come on. I'm talking about a spiritual violence, an unquenchable thirst and desire, a newborn hatred for the things that the enemy does. I'm trying to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. Somebody worship right now. Somebody lift him up right now. Here we go. Here we go. I'm getting a download here. You see, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. You understand what that means? I don't care how much scripture you quote from here. If the word isn't manifesting through your life, body, soul, and spirit, mental ascent will not reach the core of a soul. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Where are they? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You think the world is messed up in their mind? We're messed up in our minds when we don't understand what's happening in our own heads. We place limitations, mental blocks. We live with strongholds that deter us and hinder us. We have mentalities He's trying to break through. See, like the kings of old, be seated if you like. Some did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they paid the price. But some, the Bible says, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But then there is that word. Nevertheless, they did not take down the high places. Church, the most dangerous thing is for you to be doing everything that is right in the sight of the Lord, but to leave that one breach, that one compromised portion of your armor, that high place, whatever that may be, because, mind you, the enemy will find that crack in your armor and he will work on it until he breaks through and neutralizes you. And I go deeper. So, what does all that mean? Well, it comes right back down to the fact that we settle 
to just give God the least that's expected. It's more comfortable that way. There's less of a price to pay. Less sacrifice. It's more peaceful. But God has been visiting his church. And everywhere I go, I've been able to see. I can look in some of your faces. Some of you are in the middle of a storm. Some of you... I'm sorry to tell you, but I'm also happy to report that you're about to walk into a storm. And that's where I lose half the audience. But visitation is misunderstood. Joseph's prophecy has always been relegated to the man Moses coming in to shake Egypt up with God's backing and dropping plagues and all the things that transpired so that they could have a massive exodus and take Joseph's bones out of that place where he was entombed. But that is not the real visitation of God, nor was it where it started. You see, the nation... And the people had become comfortable in Egypt. Abraham's promise and covenant was never to be fulfilled in Egypt. But they became wealthy under the favor of a Pharaoh who loved Joseph. They became cattle owners and business owners and landowners, and they owned homes and lots of real estate. And stinking Lincolns and shatty caddies. They were well. And that made them comfortable. And they were about to settle for something less than the promise that came through covenant to Abraham. Now you're listening. When did the visitation start? It started when God brought in another Pharaoh that did not know Joseph. And he began to weigh into them. Most of us would be praying for God to deliver us from the very thing that he sent to us to deliver us. And they cried out for deliverance. And they never quite got it right. Visitation begins quite often with adversity, not blessing, not deliverance. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose, have I raised thee up, Romans 9, 17, that I might show my power in thee. And that my name might be declared 
throughout all the earth. Ah, here's where we lose our way. Here's where we begin to filter things backwards. You see, for us to enter into a dimension of revelation, we have to understand what God is doing. That visitation is not always as we expect it. That visitation does not always come wrapped up and real pretty like a gift you get for your birthday. Sometimes visitation has to come with pain and trauma. You see, crisis is oftentimes the catalyst that births new dimensions in our lives. It is also the thing that quite often, as it was prophesied to the first lady and to this church, it graduates our faith from the simplicity of day-to-day -day faith to a faith that is prophetic in nature, a faith that causes us to see our destiny with clarity and understand that no matter what the process, we're going to get there. No matter what it is that visitation includes in our personal lives or corporately, we know our faith is now prophetic. It says it doesn't matter where I stand now. It's not just a now faith. It's a prophetic faith. The now is simply another step into my destiny. Change and transition when they don't have a clear source or point of origin, we'll, we'll get stressed out. We'll act in the flesh. We'll create Ishmael's because it's simpler and it makes more sense. Abraham was about to settle for Ishmael. And God had to intervene. And every one of us have created Ishmael's to make up for our lack of faith, for our lack of trust in him. We have decided that we know best and we're going to help God along the way in such a way that we can be a little more comfortable about things. You got to get this because tomorrow I'm going to take you to a place of vision. And if you don't get this, you don't get vision. Not clear vision. You see, it's all connected. Are you willing to follow him when he does not? up with your expectations are you understanding that when your vision and his vision don't line up the result is 
division. And so, the moment that you truly cry from the depths of your soul, not my will, not my vision, not my expectation, not anything that I think should be, and you cry out, not my will, but thine be done. You are never closer to being a true disciple than when your will has died, when you have yielded all that you are to him, to his purpose, and you become the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, lift him up. Come on, can you follow him when he actually disappoints you? When he comes in and rearranges all the furniture? Can you trust him when you still serve him? When he allows your heart to get broken. There's things I've had to do that I cannot undo, Brother Turner. Bishop, there are things that I've seen that I cannot unsee. There are decisions that I've had to make that have been horrible. I have buried my firstborn. God is still good. God is still God. He is still faithful. He is still righteous, and his judgments are right altogether. The law of the Lord is perfect. The will of God is perfect. He makes no mistakes. Are we willing to lay down all the distractions about us? Now, therefore... I mean, please. At least you sat. I have this incorrigible beagle that I inherited. And I used to train Schutzen three German shepherds that are nothing but killing machines. And that dumb beagle looks at me and says, I'm not sure you're alpha. I think I want to be alpha right now. I'm sorry, that was just a commercial. Thank you for listening. It, it, it helps to vent. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen. No man that warreth, bring it all into the context of spiritual warfare. Bring it all into the context of visitation and future revelation. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. You are messed up with your rules of engagement and you're taking on things and battles that God did not tell you to take on. And he's not obligated to give you a victory in a battle he did not send you to fight. knucklehead and then you're going to get upset with God when you never asked him if you should engage or not 
Chicago, I'm challenged from every corner when I park in the neighborhoods I go to. And I am constantly being challenged. And the enemy is constantly trying to draw me under the shadows of lesser battles. And the old dog has learned a few tricks along the way. And so he doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And so in the process between your threat assessment level and between the force continuum of the spirit and between all of the distractions and what the rules of engagement call us to do and to be, We have need of patience, Paul said, so that after we've done the will of God, we might receive the promise. We don't know the will of God like we think we do. We are sadly mistaken if we believe for a moment that Living for God is just easy stuff. And that somehow Jesus is nothing more than a spiritual Santa Claus. Just giving us gifts randomly and left and right. And here, play with these toys for a while and see how you like them. And when you get bored, discard them. And you have some other stuff for you. No, the ways of God in the context of visitation demand our very best. Abraham and Isaac journeyed to Moriah. God spoke the unspeakable to the man who after received his Isaac was now required to give him up. The journey to Moriah must have been the most difficult. But sometimes that journey is full of solitude and you have to understand that sometimes people are not called to go with you to certain places in the spirit. That God separates you. And when he saw the land afar off, Moriah was a land of multiple mountains and elevation points. But evidently there was the one place, the one mountain that he was able to identify as he got closer. Now, I'm about to offend some of you, but listen to me anyway. When he saw the place afar off, he stopped the caravan. He stopped all movement, and he said, everybody stays here. From this time and this moment forward, only I and the lad can go. Are you willing 
to leave behind the caravan all the young men in the ashes that don't belong in your life so that you can go on to touch the glory, to touch your destiny. Sometimes we want the company, but God says, no, I need you alone. I need you in a season of solitude so I can work directly with you. You see, some people are not going to want you to go there because they're not willing to go. And sometimes uh, well-intending friendships uh, are the very hindrance uh, to your spiritual progress. Uh, and we hang out in clusters uh, and we encourage one another to remain stagnant. <laughs> I'm trying. You see, one such young man was Joseph. Oh, how God visited that boy with dreams. All the things that he revealed to him about the moon and the stars and the sheaves bowing down. Now, I think maybe he was a little immature and lacked a little wisdom to share that with his knucklehead brothers. But I feel his intentions were pure and his journey proves the purity of his heart. But sometimes when you make a choice to move to the place and to engage the spirit world and to move on to see and be a part of the revival that God has prophesied in this church, you better get ready because some people are not going to understand. Be ready to be misunderstood. But if you have a word from God, you got to stick to it. And no matter how much they mock you or tell you, not you, look at you. Look at your history. You're nothing. Oh, but the blood has covered it all up. And if God gave you a word, you need to go. Don't worry about the haters. Let them hate. Don't worry about the jealous. Let them be jealous. You move on to your destiny. Come on, lift him up. Some of you need to embrace solitude. Some of you need to embrace God's university of solitude. Get alone with him. Well, the journey demands it. Sold out. Falsely accused. Ah, but it didn't change his destiny. From the dungeon, it didn't change his destiny. He was still a governor on his way to office. And what about Moses? Forty years in Egypt. Dreaming about his true identity. Son, you're not an Egyptian. Forty years in the desert battling with that very identity. And finally, when he was cooked, well done, a burning bush. We'll talk about that tomorrow.
40 years embracing and activating his new identity. I'll say it again. Talk is cheap. You can talk all day long. I'm looking for action. I'm looking for manifestation. I'm looking for the fruit that your mouth so aptly declares to be so. Case you're wondering, the birthing process is one difficult one. And what God is trying to do is birth some stuff. I know I'm a little, a little more teaching than preaching. Just pay attention. We're going somewhere. There are two births assigned to everyone in the kingdom. And I'm not talking in the natural. Yeah, you got to be born, obviously. You're here. I'm talking about your new birth. But then there's a verse. There's a birth, a verse. Is that you, Brother Suarez, behind that mask? Alfonso, is usted? God bless you, Brother Suarez. Good to see you. Who's that masked man looking like Zorro over there? Colombian Zorro. Where was I? Two births. Thank you. Praise God. I'm getting old. I didn't take my potassium this evening. Paul said this. My little children of whom I travail in birth again. Are you listening? I'm travailing for you. I birthed you into your salvation. But now here I am in travail again. Why? So that Christ can be formed in you. Most of us are born into the kingdom but few of us will allow the travail that's necessary to birth our destiny, our purpose, our call, our anointing, our giftings, and everything that comes. I want everybody to stand to your feet right now and lift your hands. I want you to reach for heaven right now. And I want you to say, Lord, I need that second birth. I need that second birth. I don't care what kind of pain I have to go through. Travail is pain. I know it. The birthing process is painful, but I have got to embrace my call, my destiny, boots on the ground. Come on, church, reach for him. I can't do it for you. Come on, it's your call. It's your call. Pain, adversity, it's the signal that the thing that you've desired is about to be born. There is no birth without pain.
Come on, church. You got to get this. Because when you enter that season of formation where everything is not just comfortable, and when your world gets turned upside down, you can still track his hand and know it's just another part of the process. When life begins to happen, it's just another part of my birth. My second birth. Say it again. Adversity and suffering are not optional. They are a call. They are a call. And once again, I reiterate it is a falsehood, a false concept to assume that serving God. Is a guarantee of a conflict-free life. Oh, no. Welcome to the struggle. I hope that some of you just making your way into the kingdom will have the guts to understand that living for God is not for the weak. It's not for the flimsy. But there, it's for those who will be bold who will never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who are going to embrace the intimacy of relationship that releases authority. Get ready to lose your friends out there. Get ready to walk a solitary walk in some seasons of the journey. Get ready! Welcome to the struggle. Welcome to the world being a true apostolic. When they come against you and when the world and the enemy rises against you, you meet him head on. And with violence in the spirit, you take it by force. Be seated, please. For this is thankworthy. I know I'm driving this point hard because I've watched too many at this juncture to walk out on God, to throw their arms up, throw the towel in, and to say, this is not for me. May I be bold enough to save you chicken. Coward. Live for God. Greater price has been paid by others. We will stand before a cloud of witnesses. You're going to whine because they made fun of you? You're going to cry because they said something to you? Or because they walked out on you? They're not worthy of you. The people that count are going to be there along the way. And when they're not supposed to, they know to just back off and let you do what God wants you to do. 
For this is thankworthy of a man for conscience toward God, as the King James Version puts it, or in other words, wanting to please God, endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Sometimes you're going to do it all exactly like you're supposed to, and you're still going to get hit. Is that fair? It's not about fairness, people. It's just. It's righteous. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults? In other words, in the Rick Gonzalez version, so what if you get what you got coming because you had a stupid attack? They don't use that word here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go back to King James. I think it's more palatable. For what glory is it when you be buffeted for your faults? For you shall take it patiently. When I sit in my office... (laughs) And I look at some of these knuckleheads who want to whine and complain. I counsel brutally. I'm allergic to stupid. I am. And right now, my precious son in the gospel, you have been stupid. Let's get rid of stupid. Lord, I pray that my wife is busy right now. You know I got her that new dishwasher, right? But if you, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called. You're called, folks. I'm just the mailman. You are called to adversity. You are called to suffer. Yes, you are. Take it up with the capo di capo. That's the Godfather, the real one. Because Christ also suffered for us. Do I need to go any further? Let me finish up tonight. You can stand. Musicians. Come on and play something that will soothe the natives here. I have to trudge through some of this stuff. Because... Once I plow this ground, the Lord releases me for the heart of all. And he's trying to communicate to us. Maybe you all knew this already. Forgive me for insulting your intelligence. However, there's a flow.
I've been hanging out with them at church. Sometimes we even hang out with them at work. But some of us belong to the SS. We belong to the secret service of Jesus Christ. Nobody at work knows who we are. But manifestation. And so we claim he lives in us, but through it all we never give him control. And for that reason, he cannot entrust us with true authority. He's going to give us a fresh baptism. A fresh baptism to help us come into alignment with the flow. The flow of fivefold ministry. The flow of apostolic ministry giftings. Look here. I've said all of this to give this church one more prophecy. You stand in a place of critical mass and at the threshold of that new dimension I've been preaching about. God is ushering as a body. Who goes included in this body? Will be decided by your level of obedience and willingness to engage and embrace as He has called us to do. To the angel of this church, great favor come upon you. Great favor with God and with man. Take a step forward, man of God. Take your wife by the hand. I want your children to join you. The Lord has spoken great and very deep and powerful things concerning the destiny of this church and the regional apostleship that has been given to you, the key that you hold in your hand in the spirit. The global connection. Just to have one missionary in this place is a confirmation of what this church is all about. This church is going to have a global impact upon mankind. There will be great favor flowing into this church and from this church. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. The gifts of the Spirit are going to be released in a, at a level that is unprecedented for this region. It's going to separate the religious from the apostolic, even within your ranks. There are those who will speak against you but the Lord has spoken even in the midst of calumny and accusations. I will give increase. The Lord would reiterate again to you, I have entrusted you with this harvest. I have entrusted you with every bit of the fruit 
that this harvest will produce. There will be increase, uh, greater growth, uh, greater power. There will be a multiplication of anointing. And anointing does not have a lineage. It doesn't matter what your history has been or where you stand presently. Anointing is completely left at the sovereignty of God to delegate and to give as he has chosen. It is not just the seed of new souls. I see congregations receiving revelation, denominal congregations receiving revelation. Take a step forward and accept that. Pastors receiving Bible studies, Trinitarian, Binitarian, denominal. Religious traditionalists from every denomination. Let me tell you what's happening as God begins to shake the ground, the foundations of religion. Right now, hear the word that I just saw it in the spirit. I just saw angels leaving this place. They are moving in the direction of some of the steeples of the churches in this region. Somewhere, a denominal pastor is on his knees right now saying, There's got to be more. There's got to be more. Listen, church. Somebody worship right now. Somebody receive this. There's more than one. There's multiple denominal pastors, Methodists, Presbyterians. They are fed up with religion. of heaven here oh man of God I will underwrite this revival I will bring the resources necessary you will never want for resources I have opened up the windows of heaven and have poured out upon you upon this church upon this region all the resources of heaven saith the Lord Prophetic praise, prophetic worship, take us there. Church, this is your altar. This is now your service. This is now your responsibility to respond to what the Spirit has spoken to you. The altar is open.
Make your decision. Make your decision. Revelation is waiting upon your decision. Settle the matter. Settle the matter of your identity. Settle the matter of your call. Settle the matter.